Yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. That is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In Parliament Square in London, there is a a statue that is one of my favorite in all the world. It is a cast copper uh, statue of Winston Churchill. Now, the statue doesn't depict Sir Churchill as a, a young man or even a middle-aged man, but as an elderly man, late in his years. And he appears to be somewhat frail. You can tell this because he is, he's hunched over a bit and leans heavily on a cane. As you approach this statue, you, you, you notice this seeming frailty, but as you stand before the statue, any sense of frailty dissipates because your gaze is inexorably drawn to the face, and this is the face of pure determination. It is the face of the man who seemingly single-handedly drew Great Britain back from the brink of disaster at the hands of the Nazi war machine when he was elected prime minister in 1940. It is a moving tribute to Winston Churchill. And it was placed there in 1973 so that the people of England, the people of Great Britain, could come to it and remember Winston Churchill, remember what he did for that country and also, in a sense, mourn that he is no longer with us. Now, I thought about this statue today because I've been thinking about All Saints Sunday and how some folks approach or view All Saints Sunday. 
There are some who look at All Saints as a day simply to remember the saints, family and friends of our past who are no longer with us, to remember what they have done for us, and yes, to mourn for them. And if that is the entirety of our vision of All Saints, then one can kind of wonder, why would we have a baptism on All Saints Sunday? Well, in fact, that vision of All Saints is an incomplete vision. Yes, it is a time for us to remember those saints who have gone before us, but it is also, in fact, it is primarily a time to look forward. And this is reflected in our liturgy. If you look at the, uh, if you look carefully at your prayer book, you will see that the prayer book lists four Sundays in the church calendar that, using the words of the prayer book, are especially appropriate for baptism. All Saints Sunday is one of those days. And then there's the color of All Saints. If you notice the hangings everywhere, my stole, it is white. White is the color of all saints. White is, of course, the color of Easter. You see, it is white because today, yes, we remember those saints, but we look forward with those saints to the day of everybody's resurrection, the day as promised by Jesus, as promised by Christ, that we will all be together again in the presence of the all-loving God. And so it is a day to look forward with those saints. And when we think of it in this forward gaze, then all of a sudden, a baptism begins to make perfect sense, doesn't it? And so today, we baptize John Davis Webb, and we look forward together with John Davis. We look forward to a time when we will be together again with those saints. We look forward to raising, along with his parents, John Davis, in the full stature of Christ, as we will promise that we will do in a few minutes. We look forward to helping John Davis realize his potential of becoming a saint. So you see how this all begins to fit together quite nicely. But then... We have to wonder, why the reading for all saints that we have this morning? Today we read Luke's version of the Beatitudes. Quite frankly, it's not as well known, to put simply, it's not as famous, if you will, as Matthew's version of the Beatitudes. I think that's because, well, in Matthew the words are, softer, they're kinder, they're gentler. In Luke, we read what Jesus has to say, and these words seem to hit us like a sledgehammer, don't they? They're very direct, and, and if we take these words at face value at, at first glance, Jesus seems to be saying, you are blessed if you are poor and you are hungry and you are crying, and if you are very unpopular. But you are cursed if you are wealthy, if you have plenty to eat, if you're able to spend time laughing, and if you are very well liked. 
Now, if that is the correct interpretation of today's gospel lesson, I have to say that as I look out at this room and as I look into my own mirror, I have to wonder, are most of us, are all of us being cursed by Jesus today? And what does this have to do with all saints? Well, the answer is, I do not think that is the correct interpretation of this passage. And to get there, we have to recognize that this word woe that we hear in the second part of Jesus's dialogue here, this, this woe is not a curse. It is a warning. Jesus here is warning us about the potential hazard, the potential destruction of our relationship with God. Let me explain what I'm talking about by way of personal example. There have been times in my past when, quite frankly, I felt pretty financially secure, things going really well at, that, uh, at my law practice. And everybody was happy and healthy in the family. We had plenty to eat, and we were able to laugh together. And I seemed to be well-respected at work and at church and other places. In those times, those times are my personal times of woe the times that I needed to be warned. Because you see, it is in those times that it's pretty easy to say to oneself, don't really need God. I'm doing quite well on my own, thank you. Now, if those sound like prideful words, it's because they come from a place of pride. And in the final analysis, this is what Jesus is warning us about today. He's warning us of the destructive power of pride. And that pride seeps in during the good times, doesn't it? On the other hand, those who are struggling, when we are struggling, well, it's easy, it's natural to turn to God and to recognize our dependence upon God only. That's true of me. I've had those times I just described, but I've also had times when I've had physical pain and emotional pain, when I felt alone, when I felt spiritually empty. In those times, it's easy to reach out to God. Today, God warns us that in the good times, we need to continue to nurture our relationship with God because if we allow pride to destroy that relationship, we'll be in a world of hurt when the bad times, as they inevitably will, do return. And the truth is, we all are like me. We all have those good times and those bad times, don't we? We've all experienced the highs and the lows. And the same is true, by the way, for the saints that we remember today. You see, those saints are just like us. They are imperfect And those saints, just like us, they had their highs and their lows. They had their good times and their bad times, their mountaintops and their valleys. But these saints took heed of Jesus's warning. And they never fell victim to pride. And so, yes, we do look back and we do remember those saints, but we remember them for inspiration. We remember them so as we look forward to our times, good and bad, that are coming, 
We can hold tight to that inspiration and hold tight to God. We look at them as inspiration so that we can work with John Davis as he is, as he grows, as he faces his good times and his hard times as are inevitable in every life. And if we do these things, if we hold on to the inspiration of these saints, if we pay attention to Jesus' warnings, then we can look forward to watching John Davis grow into his potential as a saint. If we do those things, if we hold tight to the inspiration from our saints, if we pay heed to Jesus' warnings, heck, we even might be able to look forward to being saints ourselves. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen.